Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. It's a great day to be at church. You know, we've been in a series here uh, the last couple of weeks on the book of Nehemiah, and uh, I want to get into this thing today. I'm so excited about what the Lord has been uh, speaking to our hearts, what we've been sharing. We started this series several weeks ago. We've titled it Rise and Build. I want you to help me out with that this morning. Just say that, Rise and Build. God wants us to rise up and to build a great work for the kingdom. God wants you to rise up and to be a part of building a great work for the kingdom. As we've been in this series, we've been talking about Nehemiah and how in the book of Nehemiah, God used Nehemiah, which by the way, the word Nehemiah means comforter. The Lord had raised up a comforter to come in and begin to repair the ruined walls. It's almost like in our life, there's areas that the enemy has tried to come in to steal, to kill, to destroy. The walls of our life that the enemy seeks to to ruin. But how many know when you have the Holy Spirit who is the comforter, he comes in to heal you, to restore you, to strengthen you, to equip you for the good work that God has for your life. And so Nehemiah is almost a type and shadow in the Old Testament a representation of how the Spirit of God works. And so here's Nehemiah, the Lord raises him up to be this comforter, to go in, to rebuild these walls that were left in ruins. And as we took a, a, a look at the life of Nehemiah, we found out that in the first week that, that Nehemiah, before he did anything in repairing the walls, before he did anything uh, about going out and even just seeing what was going on, how bad was the problem, We found out that he went, he got before the Lord, and he prayed, and he fasted. Now, again, I'm not going to reteach the weeks, but as you've been with us each week, I just want to keep you up to speed. Anything that you seek to do for the kingdom of God should always be rooted, first and foremost, through prayer and fasting. If you remember when Jesus came on the scene, there was this, this father and his son was, was, was struggling. He was demon-possessed, but, but he would throw himself to the floor and he would foam at the mouth. And, and the father begged Jesus and said, I need you to do something about this. Your disciples, I begged them and they could do nothing. Long story short, Jesus casts out the demon. The wholeness comes back into his son. He is set free. And the disciples are sitting there and they're wondering, how was this able to take place? And Jesus said, some things only happen through prayer and Fasting. Fasting needs to be part of your spiritual DNA, not just 21 days at the beginning of the year, but it should be part of who we are in, in, in our life before the Lord. So prayer and fasting is what we found out that Nehemiah did before he went out to, to fulfill the mission that the Lord had for his life. Last week we talked about how out of that prayer and fasting, the favor of God came upon Nehemiah. You remember that last week? How the favor of God is released upon your life. And if you want favor, you're not going to find it from man, but favor comes from God first. When you seek the Lord, you can, re- you can receive your favor from God, which can result in favor from man, but favor comes from the Lord. The book of Proverbs says a good man obtains, gains, receives favor from the Lord. So if you're going to rise and build and do a great work, it's going to be through prayer and fasting. It's going to be with the favor of God that's upon your life. But now today, I want to take a couple of moments 
And I want to talk to you about vision. Because I believe this, you can pray and fast all you want. You can have the favor of God upon your life, but if you have no vision, if you don't know where you're going, you ain't never going to get anywhere. You're never going to build anything of significance. And so as I was preparing this week, the Lord really dropped in my heart. I wasn't planning to talk about vision, but uh, oftentimes when I'm in the process of going for a nice long run and I got my, my pods in, the Lord begins to drop the little nuggets and he said, I want you to speak to the people about vision. And I said, Lord, you know how often we've talked about vision in our church? And he said, you can never get tired of talking about vision. We need vision for where we're going. And I want to say this, you need vision for where you're going, but you need godly vision. Help me out this morning. Say godly vision. So I want to talk to you about godly vision today. And so if you can, let's turn our attention first to the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. I want to just read a few lines out of the second chapter this morning. And then I want to talk to you about vision, how it pertains to Nehemiah, but through it, how it will pertain and will be applied to our life. So let's jump over to the Nehemiah chapter 2. Um, last week, we, we stopped at verse 9. This week, I want to pick up at verse 11 in chapter 2. And uh, the title that I gave for this morning is Vision to Flourish. So last week was Favor to Flourish. This week, Vision to flourish. You got to have vision if you're going to flourish this year. You got to be able to see where the Lord is going to extend you and where, what he's going to do through you and what's going to be released in and through and, up and upon your life. And so uh, let's, let's take a look at this uh, this morning. Verse 11 says this, Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 11, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. A few, uh, then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned by fire. Verse 14 says, then I went on to the fountain gate into the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley, and I viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered the valley gate, and so I returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or any others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste. And its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. And I love this line right here. So they said, let us rise up and Build. The people responded, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. I want to stop it there today. The people said, let us rise up and build. As I was reading this, I began to ask myself, why was it that the people were able to respond to Nehemiah with such passion, with such strength, with such certainty, 
which, with, with such devotion that they, the Bible said they, this wasn't Nehemiah that said, I will rise up and build. Nehemiah said, we need to rise up and build. And the people responded back to him, we will rise up and build with one voice. They said, we will rise up and build. And then they didn't just set their hand to the work. It says that they set their hand to the good work. And I'm going to tell you this is that vision will always lead you to put your hands to good work. To good work. Somebody say good work. Vision will always lead you to put your hands to good work. But they responded, we will rise and build. And the reason why they responded was because when Nehemiah spoke, he spoke with clarity. Nehemiah had the vision of God inside of him. And as he began to speak out the vision in this moment, the people responded immediately. And I will tell you this, any time that you have got a God-given vision for your life, it brings clarity and direction to those that are assigned to do life with you. I would not be up here as your pastor speaking if I did not have vision for where we are going. You wouldn't be responding in the way that you respond if I did not have vision for this house. People will respond, family will respond, people that you do life with will respond when you have vision because vision says, I know that my steps are ordered of the Lord. I know that God is leading me and guiding me and directing my path. Vision always leads you into purpose and destiny. I want you to, to write that down. Vision will always lead you into purpose and destiny. And so Nehemiah, he is sharing his vision at this point. He didn't share his vision the whole time, but at this point, he shares the vision of what they need to do, and the people responded, let us rise and build and put our hand to the good work. Now, within that context, and we'll look at a few other things that happened as, as Nehemiah went out and, and, and surveyed the, the ruined walls, but I want to talk to you for a moment about what vision is. The word vision, it comes from the original Hebrew word, which means chazon. Chazon, C-H-A-W-O-N, Chazon, not Calzone, although that sounds pretty good. It ain't even noon yet, but it sounds pretty good. I like mine with pepperoni and ham. You got to have a little dipping marinara sauce, too. No marinara, no, no bueno, it ain't happening. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Chazon, Chazon. Chazon means... Godly vision. More specifically, I want you to write this down. It means divine revelation to your heart. Godly vision. Kazon. It means godly revelation, divine revelation to your heart that produces a mental picture. Now, we've made this statement. You have to, you have, to have written on the canvas of your mind a picture an idea, a, a visual. But where that visual comes from is through the Lord giving you divine revelation to your heart. Where do we see this in Scripture? Joseph, the dreamer, in the latter part of the book of Genesis. The Bible says that he had a series of dreams. And those dreams was God-given revelation to his heart. And it was projected in his mind where he was able to interpret these dreams. 
And out of this, he was able to have pictures and he was able to have understanding and revelation of what those pictures meant. And through it, he was able to bring clarity and direction and hope, especially when he was, when he was serving, when he was empowered in Egypt as the number two to Pharaoh. That, that's what got him into the position, was the fact that he was able to have God-given vision that started in his heart, but he was able to have a mental picture. So vision, it's divine revelation to the heart that gives you a mental picture. The best way that I can put it is this, is that your heart is the lens that vision is projected through. But your mind is the silver screen, so to speak, in which that picture is projected on. Has anyone ever gone to the movies before? No. Nobody's going to the movies anymore. I knew it. That's why we stream at home. (laughs) But you know when you go to the theater, right, there is a projector, and in that projector contains the elements or the movie or the content or the media in which you spent your money to go and see whatever movie that was, that projector is projecting on a screen. Now, what if we took the screen out of the theater? How are you going to watch that movie? And many of us, we have revelation in our heart, but our minds aren't right, so we can't see what God's trying to show us. We have an outdoor projector and screen. We're going to set it up tonight, and we're going to watch the Super Bowl in our backyard. I, 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 listen, Super Bowl is a license to eat. That's all I'm going to say. I, don't, I, I barely even know who's in the Super Bowl right now. It's like the 49ers and the Kansas City chefs, Chiefs. Sorry. <laughs> you ever do that? You write that down on paper? C-H-E. Is there an I in there? Oh, we're just chefs. It's easier to remember it that way. It's a license to eat, but we're projecting the game in our backyard, and uh, we've got a big screen we're going to set up. We've got an outdoor projector that we're going to that we're going to stream it through, and, and and over the holidays too, we got to watch a couple of Christmas movies outside. But when I first set up the screen, we had some rainy elements that were going on, and 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 then of course, you know, those outdoor projectors they work better at night, and if it's during the day, it's a little bit harder to see. And so I had to make sure that I cleaned the screen, and when it was dark at nighttime and we turned on that projector, we were able to see very, very clearly what that projector had. But when it was earlier in the day and there was too much daylight and the screen was dirty, there wasn't clarity. It's like our life when God gives us vision, if our minds aren't renewed every day, we can't see clearly. Isn't it interesting that Nehemiah, he went at nighttime. He didn't go during the daytime. He didn't go when everything was exposed. He didn't go when there was distractions. He didn't go when when there was things that that would cause him to to have confusion. He went at the nighttime when it was darkest. And as he surveyed the area, surveyed the walls, surveyed the ruins, he was able to have the right mental focus for how that vision needed to succeed. Some of you got to renew your mind so that the vision that the Lord's planted in your heart can have the right screen for that vision to be projected onto or else you won't see where you're going. You won't see what you're called to do. I don't care how much vision's in you. If you don't have the picture of it on your mind, you're not going to know what you need to do. So vision, it's divine revelation to the heart, but it is also a mental picture of the mind. I love what the late Dr. Miles Monroe, he makes this statement, and we've shared it, but, but sight is a function of the eyes, and vision is a function of the 
heart. Sight's a function of your natural eyes. Your eyes will lie to you, but your heart will never lie to you. And if you think that vision comes through your natural eyes, how many of you know that your perspective constantly changes? When you leave from this room and you, and you get back into your cars, you're going to see differently with the natural eyes. And if you're not careful, the natural eyes will lie to you. If you're not careful, the natural eyes will tell you that this message, that this word, that your time encountering the presence of the Lord was all for nothing. It was a show. It was hype. It was emotion. It was this. It was that. Because when you get into your car, the enemy is going to try and blindside you. But as long as vision is true here, and it's giving you the mental projection here, you'll always know where to go. So sight's the function of your natural eyes, but vision, it's the function of your heart. This is what vision is. Your heart is the lens in which your vision is projected through. That is what vision is. But the, the question is, why do we have vision? You ever wonder that? Why, 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 why have vision? And I want to say this vision, by the way, is one of the most powerful things, if not the most powerful thing, that the Lord has given believers. Because anybody that has a God-given vision and is all in with that vision, there's nothing that can stop them. In the Old Testament, remember the Tower of Babel? It said that their minds all came together as one and nothing could stop the work that they were building. Their vision was to see this tower be built up. Now, that wasn't God's plan, but in the natural, they had so dialed in to this belief that we're going to build this and nothing can stop us. There is something about when you have vision for your life, you become unstoppable. No one can stop you. The weather can change. Everything can fall apart. Things might not work your way in the moment, but when you've got a vision that you're holding onto, you'll trailblaze and bulldoze right through every obstacle because you know with certain certainty, this is my assignment. This is what the Lord has for my life. Vision is powerful. But why do we have vision? The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs 29, verse 18. Very familiar scripture. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. One of our favorite stories is when we were leading youth, we would uh, talk at the beginning of the year the purpose of having vision, and we would do vision boards, and we'd have the students write down what their visions were, and one night we were, we were talking about Proverbs 29, and we were saying, you know, what does that mean to you? Where there is no vision, the people perish, and this girl stood up, and she says, it means where there is no vision, people die. <laughs> oh, man, the room got really morbid all of a sudden. <laughs> But it's the truth because when you don't have vision for your life, your life is dead. It feels meaningless. But the actual understanding of that word perishes. Where there is no vision, people run wild. Where there is no vision, people are cut loose. If you remember in Luke's gospel, the story of the lost son, what happened? He got from underneath the roof of the vision of his father. He ran wild. He ran loose. He lost everything, and his life was empty. Why? Because he got away from the father's vision. He got away from where he was supposed to be because vision actually serves as a funnel. It serves as parameters for your life. And when you get outside of those parameters, you're going to just run wild. Vision helps you to stay focused on where you need to go and what you need to do. Vision 
is almost safeguards for your life so that you can get to where God is leading you to. We've been trying to teach our kids about um, boundaries at the house and where they're allowed to play and where they're not allowed to play. My son, I love him, but my goodness, has that brother pushed the limit. I'll tell you, ever since he got that big haircut, that's what I call him now, I call him big haircut. I don't know what came upon him, man. Like, he's got this cool, like, mullet thing going on. And it didn't help either. I threw a gold chain around his neck. I got this photo, too. It's awesome. He's got, like, like hip-hop prayer hands. It's like an album cover. He's not even looking at the camera. It's like, an, it's like a, it's like, dude, you're killing the game right now. I love you. It's, it's amazing. But he pushes it. Like, listen, he pushes it. So we tell him, you're allowed to play as long as you're within the vision of mom and dad and you're not allowed to go into the street. You have to stay in the driveway. Driveway, that's safe zone. Out of the driveway is a no-fly zone, no safe. Not good, not happening. So where do you think that he tends to fall in this plan? Not in the driveway. But you know what he does when he get he goes and he pushes it and he does this little number. <laughs> he wants to see how far he can get. He wants to see how far he can get out of what the parameters are. And then just I don't know what it is in his mind, but when we say no, he thinks it's go. <laughs> the more we say no, the further he goes. And when we get up to go and chase him, I mean, he just hightails it down the street like he's running from the authorities. <laughs> it's nuts. And so we got to go and chase him down and we got to grab him and, you know, and remind him, buddy, listen, you got to stay here. This is where it's safe. This is where, where, where you need to be. Now, we laugh at that, but a lot of us, we run from spiritual authority. We find ourselves in the streets of harm's way where the enemy has access to your mind and to your heart because you got outside of the vision that God has for you. And a lot of times we do that because we think that the vision that God has for us, number one, isn't good enough, or number two, we're not qualified for it. And I want to tell you this, is that the vision that God has given you is all that you need to have true victory, success for your life. Nehemiah knew that his vision was to repair the walls. It didn't say, and also rebuild up the wells and start building houses. It was the walls. He knew that was what my assignment, that was what the vision, that's what the lens of my heart is allowing me to see. I'm not going to get outside of those parameters because if I get outside of those parameters, I'm going to actually find myself exposed to where the enemy can take me out. And many of us, the enemy has been trying to take you out because you've gotten outside of the vision. The book of Judges, last chapter, very last line of text in the book of Judges, says because there was no judge, no king, no godly authority, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They did whatever they wanted. And sin came into the people 
of God. They weren't walking in blessing. They weren't walking with provision. They weren't walking with protection because vision, true godly vision, will always allow you to have God's vision, his protection, and his direction for your life. When I get outside of the vision of God, I don't have provision, I don't have protection, and I don't have direction for my life. And so I live my life confused. I live my life aimless. I live my life lost. And that's why it was important that the lost son got back to the house of the father, into the father's arms. He got reconnected into vision. So why do we have vision? Because we can't afford to live our life in a place that will perish. A better way of putting it is this. The further away you get from vision, the further away you get from your victory. Vision is a decision you have to make for your life. Every day you have to decide that I'm going to abide by what the word of God has shown me. Because true godly vision is rooted in his word. And if you want more clarity to what God has for your life, put your nose in this book. If you want more clarity of what God has for your life, it's right here. It's not going to come from the news that you watch. It's not going to come from the self-help book that you downloaded. It's not going to come from a TED talk that you streamed on YouTube. True vision for your life, it's right here. The living word that never goes out of date, that never goes out of style. It is eternal through and through and through. Get into this thing and you'll see God's protection, his provision, his direction in every area. You'll know the steps that he has, that he has ordered for your life. Vision, it is a decision. And when I'm not making a decision, I'm living a life of destruction. Further away you get from vision, the further away you get from, vi from the victory that God has for your life. Your inability to make a decision is you entertaining destruction. I'm not going to live a life that is destroyed. I'm not going to live a life where the enemy is going to get the best of me. I'm going to live a life seeing the way that God sees, and it is the vision that is a God-given revelation through his word for your life. So we have vision so that we can walk in the blessing. We have vision so that we can have divine protection. We have vision so that we've got a clear path and a clear direction for our life. But the question is, though, how does vision work? And I want to take a moment and unpack this for you this morning. But let's turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, as I was preparing this week, the Lord brought me over to Ephesians chapter 1, and um, it, says, uh, it says this this morning. Let me just pull this up. In verse 18, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling? What is the riches of his glory of the inheritance in the saints? Verse 19 says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Uh, let me say that. Let me read that one more time. Verse 18 says, the eyes of your understanding. The New Living Translation, I love the way that they phrase it. It says, may the eyes of your heart be flooded with light. May my heart be flooded with light. 
We know the Bible says that the spirit of the man is a candle of the Lord, and it's searching the innermost parts of our being. So it's the spirit of God that sheds light. It's through his word, through his spirit that I can see. But what is it that God wants you to see? What is it that vision is supposed to have us identify? What is vision supposed to cause us to see? And, and, the, and the writer says these three things, the hope of your calling, the riches of his glory, and the greatness of his power. Three things. If vision is not causing you to see these three things, it's not God-given vision. God-given vision will always cause you to see the hope of your calling, the riches of his glory, and the greatness of his power. What does that mean in modern language? The hope of your calling is who you are. Your calling is not what you do, by the way. Your calling is who you are. And as long as you know who you are, nobody can take away the calling from your life. No one can, no one can trick you out of your calling. No one can manipulate you out of your calling. No one can, 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 can get you away from your calling. When you know who you are, you know the hope of the calling for your life. Your calling is not what you do. Your calling is who you are. So when I know that the eyes of my heart is flooded with light, I've got vision for my life. I know who I am, the hope of my calling. The riches of his glory is what you have. It's the gift. It's the things that God has placed within you to use for his kingdom and his glory. The riches of his glory. Glory, by the way, is the physical representation of a king. Now let's put aside the spiritual context. In the natural, when kings rule the land, kings have what is called a kingdom. A kingdom is his dominionship. This could be where he lives, this could be his land, this could be every possession that he has. It's the riches of his glory. Glory is the kingdom of God that is now made a reality. The kingdom of an earthly kingdom or a kingdom of an earthly king, it is the reality of what a king has. It's the physical. And as long as I am within the king's domain, I have access to what the king has. When I am within the king's domain, I have access to what he has, and God has supplied amazing things for your life. There is giftings and abilities and capacity in which God has equipped you with so that you can do the good work that Nehemiah was doing. So the riches of his glory is what you have, and the greatness of his power now is what you do. So when I know who I am and what I have, now I get to work in what I'm supposed to do, and people now witness the greatness. But it ain't my greatness. I ain't collecting the credit. It's the Spirit of God that's at work within me. So the greatness goes to God. The, the recognition goes to God. It's the greatness of His power. So vision allows me to see the hope of my calling who I am, the riches of His glory, what I have, which I want to ask you, what has God given you? What gifting and ability and talent has the Lord supplied to your life to be a blessing to others? What has God given you for his favor to come upon that should be a service to reach your world with life, to be a witness, to serve others, to honor others, to be able to spread the gospel through your work because the greatness of his power is revealed in what it is that you're doing. That's your purpose who you are, what you have, what you do.
It's your calling, it's your gifting, it's your purpose. Three different things that all point to one certain thing. That's your destiny. Vision will lead you to purpose and destiny. So this is how vision works, and I just want to bring you into this, just this last thought this morning about, about vision for one moment, and then we'll, we'll, go from, we'll go from there and we'll look at a couple other things, and then we'll all shout amen and see the 49ers take it by seven. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I did, I, the Lord, I, don't hold me to it. I probably shouldn't even said that. I don't know. So when we understand how vision works, we have to look at how do I keep vision? Pastor, I lost my vision. Pastor, I, I don't know where my vision went. I don't know. Did you leave it in your car? Yeah. Pastor, I need to go get a new vision. Well, I hear this all the time. Pastor, I need to get a new vision. Well, what did you do with the vision that you had? <laughs> how, how do I keep the vision? Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Yeah. Write the vision, yeah. make it plain on tablets. If that wasn't prophetic, <laughs> that you may run, he may run who reads it. So you can't run in the right direction with what you haven't read which means your vision has to be written down. And many times when I've heard teachings and talks about vision, it's always write your vision down, but why am I writing down my vision? A better way of putting it is this, it's, 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 it's important to write your vision, but I write my vision so that I can repeat my vision. The key to keeping your vision is repeat, repeat, repeat. How do you learn the lyrics to a song? You hit repeat on Apple Music and you hear that song over and over and over to the point where I tell my kids, I don't want to hear praise anymore by Elevation in the car unless if our worship team does it. <laughs> 17 times a day. Seven on the way there, eight on the way back. Why longer on the way back? Because we hit traffic on the way back. We, I know every word to the song. Vision. You should know every facet, every portion, every fiber, every bit and piece that the Lord has revealed in this moment. So I write it and I repeat it. Man, I can't remember what my vision was. I get all the way back to my notes and I say, oh, that's right, Lord. That's what you spoke to me last year in October 6th of 2023. So now I'm going to get back to that. Yeah, but pastor, I need a new vision. No, what did you do with the vision that the Lord has already given you? And you're wondering, why am I powerless, or why, why am I confused, or, or, or why am I lost? Because you laid your vision down, and you didn't go back to it. But when you get back to your vision, and you repeat the vision, repeat, 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 refine, refine, refine. Anybody that masters the craft of their life is because they refined what they had. Anybody that's truly successful, whether it's in business, whether it's just being an amazing parent in your routine with how you get your kids to school. It's through refinement and repeating. Just because you did it once does not mean it all comes together. You got to get back. You got to work it. You got to work it. And we don't work our vision. And then we complain to God, I don't know where I'm going. Could you imagine if Nehemiah complained to God? Not one time does Nehemiah complain to God. 
Not one time. And he had massive adversity. Fear tried to come into his heart, but he refused it because vision did not make room for fear to stand. When you know your God-given vision, fear cannot stand. It doesn't mean that you can't be intimidated, and let me tell you, your vision should intimidate you. Your vision better, better intimidate you, and the reason why is because when your vision intimidates you, it means you're going to rely on God and not yourself. So I need my vision to be bigger.